Okay, cue jingle. Cue jingle. There it is. Hello, Jonathan. Greg, 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 Greg. What's going on, man? I am sitting here in my newly remodeled kitchen, uh, looking at the sunshine outside because I can't be in the sunshine outside because it's awfully hot. Uh, and uh, talking to you. Yeah, I understand you were cooking eggs out on the sidewalk earlier. I was, yeah. I just, right now, any kind of cooking I need to do at all, just toss it out in the, on the back patio and it sizzles on the ground. And then, you know, I, I fight the dog for it later. Yeah, you do, Jack. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And how is Charlie Brown enjoying the new kitchen? Charlie Brown loves the new kitchen, um, if, if for no other reason than because uh, all of his food is now more concentrated in, inside the house and not in the garage. Um, so when he's ready to be fed, uh, I, I, I can get to his food more quickly. So he's a fan. So that's great. Falling right into the, into the practice of begging in the kitchen again, because you know, that's what dogs do. It's where the magic happens. Well, and we're going to get to this in a second. I know. Um, and, and in fact, I, I think great. That's what we're talking about today, right? Right. That is we're what talk- we're talking about today. We're, we're talking magic. about kitchen magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There it is. The but magic of I believe that you had somewhat of an event at your home recently. Is we that- did. We did. In fact, yes, we had. Uh, and thank you for bringing that up. And we have posted a uh, a short video and a little write up about it on our Facebook page. So if you're not on our Facebook page, need to be. You lose. No. Yeah. Um, it's all. <laughs> no. And you please go ahead and consider joining if you are on Facebook. Please join the Taste of Gents Facebook fan page. Uh, you'll find that we have lots of good content there. And uh, and we sent updates and pictures and um, and and this is one of them. So so uh, after uh, and I want to say uh, first off, thank you to our uh, to our super fan Barb who yes up, yes Barb who came up with this incredible idea after listening to our kitchen gadget uh, our two kitchen gadget episodes and said while she loves to make pasta, she's an absolute pasta guru. She makes it all the time uh, and she does a great job of it. Her, uh, she and her husband have this uh, KitchenAid and it has all of the attachments in the world and they make all the different types of pastas and you just plug it in and it makes like linguine style or spaghetti or uh, tube style or, you know, fusilli and all these different kinds, right? All these different, it does all the stuff in the world. It's so neat. Um, and she thought to herself, like, you know, because we had said which, which tastes better at some point, you know, what machines can do better or if it's handmade that does better. And I was going a little bit back and forth because I have a hand crank pasta maker that um, I inherited from uh, from my parents, and it is probably sixty plus years old. It's wow. it's it's made out of a single chunk of iron. It's so heavy, and I don't eat. Yeah, no, but it's but it's been making Dude, pasta. It's yeah, it's been making pasta for a long time, and so we she said we should have a cook off. And so we did. So Barb, thank you for this incredible idea. And I also want to say we didn't have it at our home because our home isn't conducive to having that many people. But yeah. uh, uh, Mr. a good friend of ours, Eric, uh, volunteered or he was volunteered and accepted it. I'll put it that <laughs> way. Uh, that, uh, that we use his home for it. And so uh, the, the idea was is that um, I would be the man part of it. I made the man-made pasta. She made the machine-made pasta. And then everybody who, who, who attended brought their favorite sauces. Mm. So we made the pasta, they brought the sauces, and we just had this really incredible night. And I have to tell you, and I'll go through and I'll list these, some of these sauces, we had a, a wonderful shrimp, uh, a, a shrimp scampi uh, that Ooh. came out sauce. We had a, a beautiful marinara sauce that was made 
from heirloom tomatoes and great stuff. Oh. Um, and a lot of people have these huge gardens. It's it's, it's Washington and it's the, yeah. it's the growing yeah. season. So everybody's growing stuff. And we have these uh, and, and we have these these incredible sauces. I can't list them all here because um, I, I would run out of time, but I will post them up. Um, and there's just some just some incredible chefs in our in our, in our friendship group. Are you willing to say what your favorite sauce was? No. <laughs> <laughs> what a spark man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds amazing and and i saw the video by the way amazing work on editing the video it's mm. really fun and again for those of you listening if you haven't gone to the facebook page to see the video you need to do that because the video is really very fun uh and i remember looking at it thinking that that did not look like your home so uh yeah. thank you for me uh, confirming that i'm i haven't lost my mind no um, well not not enough for this anyway not a good point yes so we had this pasta thing. So again, Barb, Eric, thank you. Andrea, uh, who everybody hears every time they listen to this at the end of it, uh, who is also, uh, if you've enjoyed our tastygents.com page, uh, which uh, Greg uh, stood up and made it usable and viable and Andrew jumped in and made it a little Better. more, uh, a little prettier and uh, and a little more usable. Um, she is kind of our, our marketing so far director, our VP of GSD. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Andrea, so, she's an official tasty gent, um, as is, frankly. Um, yes. These, these are the folks that are helping us keep it together. And Andrea does so much. So yes, the website looks great uh, and is a work in progress always because there's always more to do. And so, yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Really great. Anyway, so that's it. So yes, yeah, so we just our first Tasty Gents events. We did it. Two more. And it was super I, fun. I'm excited. I'm sorry to have missed it because, of course, you're in Washington and I'm in Palm Springs. That's um, right. But when we're all back in the same city again, uh, it would be really fun to do another version of a live event because it looked like it was really cool. I would love that. And I think we have to get back into the salsas. I think we need to touch base with doing salsas somehow. Somehow. Yeah. So, uh, uh, well, that's all good. Um, yeah. Let's then talk about just the kitchen, the kitchen, kitchen. And so listeners, you've, if, if you've been on here more than once, you may have heard because I've been ranting about it for three months now. Certainly Jonathan has heard my kitchen has been in the middle of a remodel, uh, which is not an uncommon experience. Many people go through it. Uh, mine is done more or less. I won't give you the last part of that, but that I have a functional kitchen for the first time in three months, which is mm. uh, exciting at a level that I can't even tell you. And except that I'm gonna, Jonathan and I had this, had a great conversation about sort of for he and I and who we are, the importance of the kitchen. Like what, what is, you know, like what happens in the kitchen, you know, and, and there are people for whom maybe it's their wood shop outside or their garden outside, or it's the garage where they work on a car or it's a studio where they're painting or making, making something else. Um, for me very much, it's the kitchen. And I, I will tell you that I don't think I realized um, exactly how, how much stress I was feeling over the past few months because I didn't have that sort of regular rhythm of life that I normally have in the kitchen. Um, yeah. I know that you're the same. So that's kind of what we're gonna, what we're gonna talk about today and what we're gonna dig into. And listeners really interested in, um, it, you know, is a kitchen a place like that for you? And if not, where is the place like that for you? And that'll make more mm -hmm. sense to get a little farther down on it. So um, yeah. 
So yeah, I, I'll ramble on. If I, I can't ramble on, but I want to hear first from you, Jonathan. Tell me about like what is it you love about being in your kitchen? Well, so so I had uh, you know I, I mentioned this before, and I was I was blessed to be you know food has been such a huge part of my life. And by the way, I think listeners we can all agree that if you're alive, you've probably eaten food from a kitchen. That's so. So, so while you may have never fixed a car, you may have never planed a board. I think I've used that term right. Um, you may have never. <laughs> Nicely done. You're so crafty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you may have never paid. Everybody has been affected in one way or another from what happens in a kitchen. And, and, and I would say even uh, from some of my earliest memories um, are from just the smells that 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 came out of kitchens, even when I was younger, you know, it entices you to do things when you're younger, like to try solid foods and, and all that stuff. Like it's, it, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And I remember at points in my life, uh, having grown up with a, you know, with, with a family that was very food oriented, very food and wine oriented, that it was integral to the family unit. It's where we came together. It's mm-hmm. what we came together for. But it wasn't, but it helped to reinforce all the other communication and things that we had as a family, right? It it prompted us, it gave us that chance to not just sit quietly, but to interact because, and also when you didn't want to interact, you just take another mouthful, right? I mean, I learned all those things like, how are your grades, Jonathan? You know, and I would just go, so, so those are the, you know, so kitchens, kitchens are, are, are really near and dear to me. And uh, and for, you know, a mother who was uh, in, in a large part, um, you know, I would say old school, uh, very East Coast, somewhat stoic. Uh, and, you know, she 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 would really show her love through, you know, things she put on the plate. So I, I you know, I associate quite a bit of that joy. So when I am cooking, like when I cook for my family or I cook for uh, for friends, it's uh, it's my chance to say, hey this is how much I care about you. So yeah. let me try to make something really, really good. So yeah, kitchens are, uh, yeah, it's like my, it's like where I, it's, if I were an artist, that's mm-hmm. what I would consider my place where I do my art. I like that. I am having been in a kitchen and seen you and eaten some of the food that you've created. I would completely agree. I think you are an artist. My, um, you. you're welcome. My experience is a little different, maybe, or at least as you're describing it, I felt that way. Um, my, so for most of, most of my growing up, I, my, my, Two brothers and I lived with our mom, who's who's a single mom. Um, my parents split, and I'll talk about my dad and my stepmom in a minute in a minute because that's relevant. But my parents split, and so and my mom worked full time. So cooking <clears throat> for her, I th- she's a good cook, but I think what she did so brilliantly, mm-hmm. and that I think a lot of um, parents do when they have to. <clears throat> she was a functional cook. She put food in front of three growing hungry sons, three meals, two meals a day because we're in school, but but consistently every day and, and dinner especially, she somehow figured out a way to get meals on the table. And, and one of the ways that that happened is she would prepare, she'd do a little bit of prep <clears throat> and then give it to us to put in the oven. Mm. You know, she would make a, a, a meatloaf and pack all the meat in the pan. Uh, and then one of us would be in charge of putting it in the oven at 350 degrees at whatever, three o'clock in the afternoon. And so it would be ready by the time she came home. 
Um, did she have like little notes for what to do? Like, did she say like, no, <clears throat> she did not. It was all very haphazard. She would call and I say haphazard. Um, and, and that sounds uh, critical and it, and it doesn't feel that way. Hmm. I, I, I feel certain that if she had a little note with it written down, we would have lost it. burned it, or <laughs> eaten it. We were basically like having a pack of wolves live inside her home. Yeah, yeah. So she would call on the phone uh, and whoever was there would answer the phone and she would say, I've put the meatloaf in the refrigerator, you know, turn the oven to 350, put it in. Sometimes we'd forget, oftentimes we screwed it up. But one of the other things we did, and I remember this really well, is when we got home from school, we, you know, we were latchkey kids. It was, um, yeah. it was the eighties, late seventies. <clears throat> um, so we, uh, we cooked, if you wanted a snack, you cooked it for yourself. And one of the things I remember we used to take Bisquick, which is to say, bis, you know, instant biscuit yeah. mix. And I would make these Bisquick pizzas that were literally nothing more than like bad tomatoes, like, like tomato paste smeared on top of a Bisquick pizza crust. And then yeah. filled with other cheese I could find. It was horrible, but it didn't matter. Cause again, wolves, we were wolves. We didn't care where you, um, and so, so my early cooking, my early time in the kitchen was more of that, <clears throat> find a way to make food out of nothing, find a way to make food out of, out of this, this sort of um, dearth of ingredients. And I kind of grew into the version that I have now where I love trying new things and I, and I love making things, um, you know, again, single mom, I can tell you that until I was an adult living on my own, I never had a mushroom that didn't come out of a can. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, mushrooms were something that were canned. I never liked them. I didn't like a lot of vegetables because we ate a lot of canned vegetables. And mm -hmm. uh, as I got to try new things and, and try uh, more fresh vegetables and things like mushrooms, I enjoyed it a lot more. So, yeah. So the, so for me, I still have that that ability, if that's the right word, that um, I'll go with it, ability to sort of just make a meal, just create a meal kind of, you know, out of the fridge with what you got um, to be able to get something on the table because I learned that from my mom. In comparison, yeah. stepmom, who's an amazing human, uh, and my dad, um, when we would go down and visit them, what we very often did was that's when we, we got to try out um, like exciting recipes that became kind of a come together thing. And it's because we were there on the weekend, you have an entire day to work on something to eat. Um, you know, I, I have a, a great memory of my dad making, I want to say it was lobster marinara. We lived in South Florida. So lobster mm. was, was achievable. Yeah. And there was, you know, we were adultish children. And of course my dad and stepmom were adults. So I'm sure everyone had a drink or a beer and dad was making lobster marinara. I'm pretty sure marinara sauce made it to the ceiling. Um, the meal was great. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And so cooking uh, with my dad and with my stepmother during, during those years um, had more of an event quality to it, but that's because it was more of, we centered the weekend around those dishes or those experiences. Yeah. So some combination of those is sort of where I landed. That's incredible. That's a yeah. great, that's a great way to, that's a great memory first off also. And, um, and then did you find, did, did your dad do most, like quite a bit of cooking? Did you feel that you were inspired to, to cook from, from him? That's a good question. I think I took inspiration from all of them. My dad was a, <laughs> I would say like a demonstration cook. The lobster marinara is a great example, right? So, so dad's going to be in charge of the lobster marinara. You know, he's, I, I, 
he certainly knew what he wanted to do and what he was doing. But my stepmother was I'm, in memory. She was there to kind of help with prep and help to make sure everything didn't sort of fall apart in the middle of it because right. um, he wasn't a cook on a, on a regular basis. He would just sort of do special things. My stepmother, on the other hand, loves trying new recipes, loves, you know, sort of putting things together. It was a number of dishes she used to make for us that we used to really love. Um, so I think she was more of the creative contributor to those weekend meals. Um, and again, you know, we would come together for a weekend, um, you know, every other weekend we would, we would be there. So she would come together and come up with something creative and interesting to cook that we'd maybe never had before. Um, where my mom's creativity was more about like pulling things out of thin air um, and get making them, you know, like again on the table and again on the table. So yeah, I think yeah, inspiration yeah. really comes from all of them. Sometimes like my dad, like sometimes a meal should be a spectacle. I made a mm. shrimp bisque recipe a number of years ago mm. um, where the shrimp shells get flambéed. And I, I, for years, you could still see scorch marks on my ceiling in my house in Seattle from <laughs> my experience of flambé. So sometimes a little spectacle I think is necessary um, in the kitchen. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's necessary just to get food on the table. So I yeah. think my inspiration comes from all of them. Great. Yeah. And then when you say so, and, and I think we go back you because you said you hadn't had a mushroom that wasn't from a can, so many canned uh, vegetables yeah. and stuff. But I think this goes back to, I think our earlier discussion about shelf stable is also yeah. something when you, when you don't, you know that these are the things you're going to use often. These are staples of your cooking you know, uh, your yeah. cooking palate. This is this is these are things that I normally cook with. Then, and you're on a budget. Like this isn't going to go bad. Right. This is going to stay there. Like if I buy some fresh mushrooms, I've got like what a week, week and a half, and I may not use that. And then I've got three boys, and they just might eat raw mushrooms. I don't know what's going to happen. Of course so, they would. Yeah. Of course they would just eat these raw mushrooms. Yeah. My mom did it really well, I think, because it, it to exactly the point you're making. If you've got three boys to feed and you're working full time and you're, and, and you don't want to have to think about how old are those mushrooms in the, in the refrigerator, you get canned mushrooms and you get canned beans and you get canned asparagus. And, and yeah. those are the things you eat. Um, and it's funny having grown up, not grown up, having lived then in Seattle, as long as I did, the other um, very popular canned item that we uh, always had was canned salmon. Yeah. yeah. So canned salmon made uh, a dish. My mom, I guess everybody calls salmon loaf. I don't know mm. how to describe it, except I think that's probably the best description. In retrospect, um, I think it was horrible, but um, we <laughs> ate every bite. We, yeah. wolfed we wolfed it down. We were the wolves again. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. The only thing that my mother would make that I didn't wolf down was liver and onions. And uh, she would make it uh, for herself. And it was yep. probably oh. once, once a quarter. <laughs> and she And she would just admonish me. She's like, you've got to learn to eat other things. And I'm like, can I just have the potatoes and bees? Can we, do I have to eat it? <laughs> so, but, 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 but that, but that would, you know, that, that, that was, that was a struggle, but I that's such an old school dish. And oh my, my mom made it. I remember my mom making it a few times for my dad. And I remember my stepmother making it a few times for my dad. Yeah. Um, I don't think either my mom or my stepmother liked it. And I remember that it had bacon and grilled onions mm -hmm. and I can, like even now, like years and years and years later, I can still like remember viscerally the taste of the liver. It's such mm -hmm. a, a metallic taste, but good heavens, it had bacon and onions with it. I, you know, I eat anything. Like that. So, but I've not had it since then. Yeah. My dad, loved it, but 
Well, you know, and then kids have different taste buds, right? So babies are born and their entire mouths are full of taste buds. And then as we get older, it shrinks and goes down to your tongue. Uh-huh. And then less and less of your tongue as we get older, which is why you see older people over salt or over hot sauce or whatever, right? So so you you, re- you reduce the, the amount of taste buds in your mouth as you as you age. And so babies just make that up. I no, I'm not making it up. No, that's true. <laughs> so that's why babe, so that's why you see babies put everything in their mouth, they're learning. Yeah. And their whole mouth is 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 just completely full of taste buds, and then it goes away. And so um, I thought, well, I had a younger, I was a kid, so I had a kid's mouth. Like maybe maybe liver's not good when you're when you have a kid's mouth. Oh. So as an as an adult, I've tried liver and onions, and I can tell you, it's not it's not my taste bud. Oh my it's God. it's gross. <laughs> I just. I'm not going to do it. And I, you know, I'll eat a lot of stuff. I'll eat a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff. Right. Um, but I also am at the point where I don't have to keep trying. I, I think I, it's an interesting thing. And then we can talk more about kitchens, but I, um, uh, a friend of mine was in, in town in Seattle and she knew of a restaurant she wanted to try out and they had uh, traditional Southern food. And I lived some time in the South and they had chitlins, which as oh, I yeah. recall correctly are like, is it like pig intestines? Yeah, um, I think that's right. And I remember the server saying, like, if you've never had these before, like, don't order them. You're not going to like them. Yeah. And we were like, we were like, we're adventurous eaters. We're exciting and adventurous. They were awful. They were just awful. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I wonder how much of that is just the taste you grow up with and what you get used to. I don't know. Yeah. I just I just did a quick Google. Yes, chitlins are fried pig intestines. I, kudos to my memory. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I just, there's a, uh, and we go back to kitchens in a second because we're just yeah. talking about things that are in cans and things that are funny mm-hmm. is that there is here in West Seattle. Um, we are in Seattle of Western Washington. Of course, we are a, uh, university of Washington who are the Huskies, right? That's their animal of choice for their, um, for their team. And there's a, uh, a deli here in West Seattle called Huskies. Uh, where yes, they are. They, they do sell some husky attire for the University of Washington, but they also have the best sandwiches. And they have it's a whole deli, and they have great ice cream, and they have all this great stuff. And it's right down there. So whenever Andrew and I, when on the rare occasion I actually want a sandwich, which is pretty rare, but she often does, uh, we'll go to Husky Deli and we'll get them. Okay, so why am I mentioning this? Well, the reason is is because they have a whole store in there of all sorts of things you can get from unique candies that come in from other parts of the world to spices to barbecue sauces you can't get elsewhere and one of the things that we saw was in a can haggis so haggis in a can um which uh which is the i think the sheep's bladder i think so yes filled with other things of other animals and then cooked and then they put that in a can because as you do um because possibly make that less appetizing (laughs) (laughs) i mean if they freeze-dried it and just had it as a as a break-off thing like that freeze-dried ice cream the space like a popsicle (laughs) like a popsicle anyway anyway so there are funny things you'll find uh in a yes yeah be worth seeing um i was gonna say something i forgot what it was about haggis i had haggis when i was in scotland um oh did you to say that i'd had it yeah checked it off a list and again okay it was fine it was not worse than onion than liver and onions but yeah. uh, and it was better than uh, chitlins. Those were awful. Don't want to do that. Um, well, here and here's where we started, though. And and I and I'm, I'm I was excited to talk about this because I'm uh, you can't see that I'm doing this. And reader, of course, reader, reader, listener, you can't see yes. that I'm doing this. 
I'm looking at my new kitchen and there, there is a meditative aspect for me to being in the kitchen. So one of the first, the very first thing I cooked when I, when the kitchen came back was granola. I had actually been to visit my stepmother and she had made some homemade granola. And I thought I have all these ingredients and granola is a thing that I love. And so I just mixed up some oats and some maple syrup and some raisins and nuts and I, and I spread it on parchment and put it in the oven. And so, but just the, the, you know, getting a pan out and the parchment paper out and a bowl to mix the things and then setting the oven, which is a brand new oven for me. There's just something meditative about that, the workflow of it. Um, I, I did some reading a number of years ago when I was in college about uh, from this one Buddhist monk, he was also a therapist who talked about these sort of meditative actions, sweeping the floor can be meditation and, you know, and gardening can be meditation. And for me, it felt very much like, like being in the kitchen was meditation. So, so made the granola. And then at the same time, you know, in this first few hours of the kitchen being viable again, got my sourdough starter out of the freezer and thawed it out and began the process of trying to revive it. And I, I tell you, just as soon as it was sort of bubbling and and viable again. It just was this feeling of peace and purpose and um and and sort of meditative whatever juju that I really enjoyed. And so I made two loaves of bread um and gave one away. Um and uh then made the granola and since then have made a variety of things. And it I it just can't express what it's like to be back in any kitchen. Yeah even more so back in this kitchen that now is remodeled and has some new stuff in it and some, some spaces that are easier to work in. So. And they, they took this all the way down. I mean, everything you're looking at is everything you wanted. Is that. Yeah. I would say that's, that's accurate. And, and the, the, the flip side of that to, to, for, if I may paint the picture. So I live as you, as you know, but our listeners don't necessarily in a relatively small townhouse. And so the kitchen itself is not very big yeah. in this townhouse. Um, and in fact, I have less cabinet storage space now than I did even in the previous kitchen. So oh. when I say, is it everything I want? It's everything I want within the parameters of this space. Yeah. So I moved the microwave from from being over the hood, uh, over the range and being a hood to being one of those drawer microwaves. And so that takes up really, really valuable drawer space. But I, but aesthetically, it makes me really happy to have it not at eye level there. Um, yeah. I made some other choices, again, that that reduced storage. So I have everything I asked for, um, but it's it, I wouldn't say it's a perfect kitchen. Just again, from a storage perspective, I lack some storage, but for the kitchen that's that is possible in this space and the yeah. way that I like to cook, I honestly I, I don't think I could be happier. Now I want to I want to touch on one thing and ask you a question because yeah. I know that there was a pain point around your last oven not keeping temperature. Can you report yeah. on how well this new oven's doing? I can. So uh the new it's brand new. Uh it is gas um oven and range. Um the short answer to your question is great. The slightly longer answer is I own an oven thermometer. It's in a box. I don't know where it is. I, not every box has been entirely un unpacked yet. So right. I can't actually say that I've calibrated the oven and then I know exactly that it's that its temperature is on. The bread worked out perfectly. Um, the granola certainly worked out fine. I made something else in the oven the other day. Um, so the temperature is seems to be very consistent, which is great. Yeah. It also had like it has an air fry component that, that I don't even know how to use. I mean, I have an air fryer, but yeah. um, 
at, in a full size oven. I'm not sure. So it does a lot more tricks than the last oven. Can you air fry a whole turkey then? Yeah. So I could air fry a whole turkey in this oven. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I don't see why not. The oven's big enough for a turkey and the air fry component works. I mean, worst case scenario, it doesn't work and you have to cook it. Darn. Yeah. yeah. But I'm pretty sure I could air fry a turkey. I should try that. I want to think, I want to find all the things we can't air fry. (laughs) (laughs) Can we air fry it? Yes, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it can happen. I made scones yesterday in the oven. Oh my God. So, and that's always a great way to, I think that kind of baking is a great way to check even uh, evenness of temperature. Yeah. Um, So they all were, were uniformly golden brown on the top. Yeah. So... Yeah, overall the oven is a win, and it's one of those cool ranges that has a, a griddle pan uh, that fits in the middle of it. Yeah. So, so I've got griddle capabilities in both the new grill that I bought because I didn't have a kitchen, yeah. and now on the new range as well. So I know. Have you made? I mean, what would you do? So, what are you looking for? Have you used it yet? Let me ask that question. The griddle, the griddle pan. Yes, I have. Yep. What'd you make? Uh, I made eggs and hash browns on the griddle pan. Nice. Um, and it's interesting. I, I'm not sure for eggs and ha- uh, eggs were great. Hash browns, uh, I think, need a, a bit more of more sides. So I think making hash browns again, I think I would use a cast iron pan um, because as you're scooping and and, and flipping them over, um, if you don't have sides and the griddle pan has maybe half an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch on the mm. sides. But the eggs worked beautifully on the griddle pan. Um and so there's things like that. I think I, I can imagine doing pancakes uh, absolutely on the griddle yeah. pan. Um, uh, so I don't know. I'm still working on what I can do there. So many opportunities. So many options. So many opportunities. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So so I'm excited. So and what about you? What have you done recently in your kitchen? And talk to me about, about your experience in the kitchen. Well, so so recently what I've done, and I don't know if I've mentioned this yet because I feel like um, I might hear a little bit back from you because I went out and did something because you are, I just, and for listeners, if you haven't had or seen or been around Greg making bread, mm. then you haven't lived. And <laughs> and I know, I know there's a lot of people think I've lived well. Well, I'm telling you what you haven't. So it's actually, it, 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 he makes just, just the perfect loaves. His sourdough comes through time and time again and mm-hmm. i have nothing but but uh but but appreciation and a little envy over his bread making skills <laughs> and i've always actually said a couple of times that we should do because uh greg greg is so talented in in, in so many ways like he, he's a he's an accomplished writer and baker that because of the time it involved at our at our community we should have you know bread baking and a writing class simultaneously oh, so we should yeah. do you know, a little bit of both because because it takes right time to do something so while you're waiting for the but dough to rise hey yeah, that's right yeah so um and at the end of it everybody has bread how nice um, even if you didn't write anything so uh <laughs> that being said um i went and bought a bread maker oh nice I, I did i did it I it's a a bad art. um it does a full two pound loaf i do uh light medium or dark however you wanted the crust to come out it's got a recipe book of all sorts of things you can do besides bread. It'll make jams and pure oh, all sorts of things. So it's got, I mean, basically it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a it's a box sure. that holds a little paddle that moves around and does all the kneading of the dough. 
and then it heats up and rises and then it needs it more and then it heats up and rises right and then it bakes yeah and it does all this stuff is it to the par of greg well the answer is no well, um is it better than what i can buy in the store oh yeah so, so we're going to need to do another man versus machine episode then oh no with uh and and we and we can align it better so sourdough is its own thing so we could do i could do a standard yeasted white loaf um and you can do a standard yeasted white loaf because i'd be really interested in comparing the texture you yeah. know like how's the texture of the of the of the uh bread maker bread compare with the texture of you know i, I would just use a kitchen aid um and a loaf pan but yeah we have to do that i would love to do that we end with all the bread. <laughs> Worst case scenario, we eat bread. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so I bought that. So that's kind of my latest thing, and I did that because uh, while I and I've said this before, I'm not a big bread guy. I will eat noodles yeah. until the day is long. I, I will eat noodles all day long. I love yeah. noodles. In fact, I'm thinking of some creative noodle ideas for recipes. If anyone has noodle recipes for making noodles that they want to share please drop yeah. them into the facebook page drop yeah. them into send us an email whatever works out yeah. for you um because i i love noodles and i'm looking for um noodles that are and i don't know if you've heard of this high protein noodles oh. they're lower in carbohydrates higher in protein so there are because there are people who who have some some issues with that and they're, they're looking for either they're on a keto diet or they're looking to, to, to reduce the amount of carbohydrates in their body, but um, any delicious noodle. I, mean, I love that idea. And in fact, one of the things I was specifically working on before uh, the kitchen got torn apart was uh, romp, sort of grocery store ramen noodles, right? The 39 mm -hmm. cent packages of ramen noodles, some recipes for how to make those better. And I was having a lot of success mm -hmm. with really, really jazzing that up. Um, and so that might be a fun thing to explore too on one of our our future episodes. When I was when I was when I was a young man, um, <laughs> when I was very young and poor and lived off of top ramen, but I also worked in restaurants and got one meal a day. Oftentimes, the meal that I would take were a whole bunch of the sides from the pizza wherever I work, like the pizza place or something like that. So I would take, you know, the vegetables and things like that. Yeah. I would take like a little a little bowl of them home, and I would make. Ooh. like phenomenal ramen out of nice. so yeah that's, that's a fun idea so i know we've done noodles but what if we did what's your jazziest yes store-bought ramen experience sorry yes yeah, yeah because i really had some fun with it recently so that would be a fun did one you to take do. pictures i did not no i just Craig. ate food <laughs> <laughs> all right if you don't take pictures of it, then take pictures of your belly afterwards. Like this, guess, that. and once it here is, then you just go. Exactly right. <laughs> this one's of the ramen. This one's of the sourdough bread. This one's of the pizza. That's yeah. right. I got bread belly. So. Okay, I, I have a feeling we've been going on for a while, but we've I know been going we on for a while. Week. I think, but gosh, this has been good. Yeah, this has been good. And I'm so congratulations on your completed kitchen, on Thank your you. on your place of 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 zen and creativity being back in your life. Um, and I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy you have this now. And I can't wait to 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 be there and partake. Agreed. I can't wait for when for when you guys are back here and we can all hang out together and cook again or hang at least hang out again and eat food again, because that'll be a good yeah. thing. So all right. Uh listeners, thank you as always for hanging out with 
uh, me and Jonathan for a little while. Um, this is always great fun. And we know that uh, there are some of you who are really enjoying it as well. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you. And again, hit us, hit, hit us up on uh, Facebook or uh, in email. They'll both be yeah. available in the link. Okay, Greg. All right, Jonathan. All right. All, All right. Bye. bye now. You've been listening to Tasty Gents, a geeky Palm Springs to Seattle podcast. Okay. Q jingle. Q jingle. There it is.